You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. What's going on, Jermaine Johnson? Tune in to Turn on the Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn on the Jets podcast. everybody welcome back to the turn of the jets podcast i'm your host will parkinson at willpaw 11 on twitter instagram and tiktok joined by a uh, founder of uh founder of toj host of badlands and the most positive jets fan on the planet probably right now joe caparoso joe how are we doing today i'm doing very well uh, our first time ever talking after a three-game winning streak it's uh it's a new era right now for jets football yeah it's not a, a covid victory over the rams and then the browns entire team not playing and you know the Jets fans being pissed about a uh, about them not tanking properly obviously a lot to take away from yesterday can't overstate enough how impressive it is that the Jets are winning these football games when it feels like they're not even playing their a game I know you mentioned it a bit on Badlands but you know I th- think I saw a tweet earlier you know from Tyler Brook who had been on the uh <laughs> who'd been on the TOJ pod last week previewing uh you know previewing the game and he mentioned basically the Jets were one of 11 on third down 99 net passing yards, 0 for 2 in the red zone, seven penalties for 79 yards, which were total BS, by the way. Some of the worst officiating I've seen from Cleet Blakeman. Uh, not surprising. The Jets also had a punt block, and they still won by 17 points in Lambeau against Aaron Rodgers. So what's the what's your kind of feeling right now, I guess, the overall biggest takeaway from the game? Obviously, I know you guys talked about it last night on, uh, on Badlands, but... It's, it's very bizarre. I mean, those stats are they really jump off the screen. I think normally you would say how, all right, the Jets went into Lambeau and they won. You would say, wow, they probably played a perfect game. They played, everything was hitting on all cylinders. Uh, Best game plan we ever saw. They were crisp. They had no penalties. Uh, They ran up a ton of yardage and that wasn't necessarily the case. I actually think from watching that game, the Jets just looked like the more talented team by like a decent amount, like physically on the outside, nobody on Green Bay had any business getting open on the Jets secondary. The Jets dominated in the trenches on both both sides of the ball and no one on Green Bay's defense had an ability to slow down Brees Hall. And while I think the coaching staff, particularly the offensive coaching staff, left a few things to be desired in the first half, they were great in the second half. That's been a consistent thing we've seen from this team where they make halftime adjustments and they're great particularly in the fourth quarter. And when it got into the second half, they outcoached one of the best coaching staffs in the NFL over the past couple of years. So we haven't seen the complete game yet, which means that we haven't really seen the ceiling of the team yet. It was ugly in that first half. It was just an ugly football game. But the Jets for the third time this year, uh, fourth time this year, uh, were able to put their foot on the gas, make adjustments and run away with it in the fourth quarter 
mostly because they just had more talent on the field and they were killing Green Bay up front on both sides of the field. There was no one who had any answer for Quentin Williams beyond the rest of the Jets' front four pass rush. Yeah, they the pass rush was fantastic. I was just looking at the Jets are officially in the top half of the league in DVOA, uh, which is something I don't think me or you have ever seen since I've since I've known you. Um, they've always been in the in the 20s or 30s. Um, they're officially 15th in DVOA right now, uh, which is you know a metric obviously you know it's pretty reliable. I agree with you. Look, I think yesterday the offense outside and the second half was much better. Zach Wilson had the one really nice drive. Other than that, was looked a bit lost. I think he was trying to do a little too much. He just what the Packers defense does have a lot of talent. They've been underplaying themselves this year. And, and Zach with another game where was really, really poor, went under pressure, made a couple of mistakes where, um, again, just I've said this, I'm not trying to be negative on Zach, just throw the ball away. Uh, there's times where, yes, you take the shot to Corey Davis. That's not even really a broken play. That's kind of set up. It's the the one where he's tiptoeing down the sideline and tries to sidearm it into coverage. Yes, did it get Corey Davis's hands? Sure, but let's avoid that, settle for the three points and move on. From the running game perspective, they were humming the whole game. It felt like there was no reason to go away from it. A couple third downs where I think we're all scratching our head going, why not just pound the rock here? You know, there's an argument to be made. The Jets easily could have won this game 31-10, 38-10, maybe more honestly, because I felt like the Packers' one touchdown drive was – a bit of uh, a bit brutal, if we're being honest. I, I thought the, the officiating helped them out, and the Packers only three points for the Jets on third and one, uh, not you know not converting on a, a weird play call, and then and then punting um, or trying for a field goal. I apologize when I feel like they probably should have just gone for it or punted it. Um, all that said, you can't really take anything really away from the offense. They'll start getting going. I'm not concerned about Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson having you know rough games. The Packers, Jair Alexander is as good of a corner as you'll find in the NFL. Um, so I'm not worried about that. Defensively, you mentioned that Quinn Williams was unstoppable, probably his best game as a pro, if not pretty much guaranteed his best game. Sheldon Rankins continues to impress. John Franklin Myers, another good game. Vinny Curry had a nice play. Um, and then the most important thing, I know we'll talk, we'll talk about Sauce in a second, but CJ Mosley was awesome yesterday. Like I know Quincy Williams has the highlight plays. He obviously has some mistakes in him where he, you know, overruns things and whatever. Quan Alexander, a nice play as well. But CJ Mosley was fantastic. I think he's been a lot better this year than people want to give him credit for. And, you know, him and Dwayne Brown are two guys that are veterans. They're really high paid. So the expectation is there, but they both showed up yesterday in a big way. And I felt like they're a big reason why they won. What are your thoughts on Mosley? And, and then uh, obviously we'll get to sauce after that. I mean, Mosley, I think does a lot of the dirty work in this defense and, and adds a needed layer of stability and veteran leadership to a group that is young in a lot of places. And sometimes he, you know, gets exposed a little bit in coverage and that is overshadowing all the work he is doing on every other down, getting everyone lined up in the right place, executing their blitzes properly, filling the run lanes properly. And, and yesterday in particular, it really came together where you saw just how good this defense looks when Mosley's on his A game, Quinnen's on his A game, and Sauce is on his A game beyond the rest of the pieces around them. That means you have someone playing great football at all three levels of the defense. And that makes you very hard to deal with. It's very hard for an offense to work and scheme around that. When Quinnen is a wrecking ball up front, Mosley is playing like the guy that he was at times in Baltimore and a true you know, centerpiece of that defense and making sure that they are stout against the run and making sure that everyone is in the right spot and guys like Quincy are able to clean up with these massive hits. And then the back end sauce is playing like a, 
a five, six year pro and is able to just lock down whoever is being put in front of him and effectively knock the football away, make plays on the ball without getting called for penalties, just being on top of whatever Green Bay was throwing at them. And the Packers right from the opening snap really had no room to operate that the one touchdown drive, as you alluded to, was aided by two very suspect third down penalties and one very nice throw from Rodgers to Lazard. They really didn't do anything. If the Jets managed the clock better before the half, it's a 6 nothing game at the half. It, as you said, this was really probably more of like a 34 to 35 to like 7 type game rather than 27-10. And that defense with Mosley playing like he is right now, They've been one of the best units in football over the past couple of weeks, which is shocking because they were so bad last year, so bad early in the year at times where Jet fans wanted Ulbrich fired. Uh, Sala was getting a lot of heat. Really since halfway through that Pittsburgh game, they've basically been dominant. And it, I know Green Bay is having their issues and I know they're not what they used to be. To still go there and play like that against Aaron Rodgers is just exceptionally impressive. And uh, it's it's a ama- it's an amazing turnaround from how bad they were on defense to how good and dominant they were from start to finish yesterday. Yeah, look, I, I think I mean you've talked about this. I talked this a lot with DJ um, when we were doing our pod. And <clears throat> look, the we knew the rookies were going to be good. I don't think we knew that Sauce was going to be a top five, top ten level corner already six weeks in against the, some of the weapons he's gone against. I'm not sure we thought Brees Hall was going to be this awesome this quickly i thought him garrett wilson sauce we kind of come along quickly with guys like reed um you know obviously carter and, and you know more and, and davis more so in the past game early on not only have the rookies been good but quinn williams and avt have done the big pro bowl all pro level leap i know avt wasn't as good as yesterday uh, rashawn gary's no joke though and, and whatever but They've got, they finally have not only their young players playing well, but they're guys that aren't rookies anymore. It has, it's not just the same old Jets where, which I hate, but you know, it's the Denzel Mims was, has showed flashes as a rookie or Mackay Becton or, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. The Stephen Hills, you want to go back to and, you know, and so on and so forth. These guys are now taking that big leap where Quinn Williams is a top five defensive tackle in football or playing like it at least. Um, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker is probably a top five guard slash the most, you know, I, I don't even know what the right word is, but big Swiss army knife, you know, at offensive line in the league. So the fact that you got this, the big jump from a couple of the second year guys, and they haven't even really gotten that yet from Zach or Elijah Moore, the two guys you're kind of really expecting to take a bigger step as the season goes on. Um, you know, the offensive line starting to stabilize, they run the ball. Well, the defensive line's doing a fantastic job. Um, look, I, I think Quinnen, you know, we, I saw a tweet before I joked, but, you know, Quinnen, you know, had the little him and Elbrick had the little dust up, I guess, on the sidelines. And Quinnen's been amazing ever since. Um, you know, Salas did the receipts thing, and they've they've been pretty damn good since then. Let's see if Elijah Moore's little uh, you know Twitter thing he did yesterday, where you know him and Salas spoke. Elijah Moore's a competitor; he just wants the ball. No surprise there. Um, probably was unnecessary to tweet it, but um, you know, I guess things that's the way things are handled these days. Going forward here, I want to focus just a little bit on, does this Jets team remind you of any Jets teams of the past or any recent examples maybe of, you know, what fans can look at and go, wow, this Jets team really reminds me of X and that's why I think they could, you know, make the playoffs or, you know, so on and so forth. It's a good question. It has 
some elements of a few different teams over the past, you know, 20 years or so out of the few times they've been successful in that time window. I think, you know, from 2009, 2010, you're going to see some logical comparisons to what they can do running the football uh, and what they can do being, you know, led by their defense. So you're going to see a lot of the ground and pound referencing with what they're doing with Brees Hall, the Jets, of course, that year, a lot of Thomas Jones, a lot of Sean Green, uh, and a lot of counting on their defense to dominate games, which we've seen has really been the style to play over the past couple of weeks. It's not necessarily how they beat uh, Cleveland or Pittsburgh, but it's how they beat up on uh, Miami uh, and particularly this game against Green Bay. It's not an exact comparison or ex- an exact corollary. There was a lot of uh, veterans on that team. Uh, it was a lot of, you know, Rex bringing in his style of football. Uh, and that team, you know, 2009 in particular was, did not, you know, they had the 3-0 and start and then they were very quickly like right back, I believe, to like 3-3 three and three or 4-4 four and four, and were pretty average and bad throughout the rest of the year before getting hot for a couple of playoff games. 2006 is another interesting one where, it was a year that they didn't have much expectations going in, but you were able to tell right away that they were going to be better than people thought. And early in the year, it was like, this team has like, they were getting a lot of contributions from a rookie class. It was Mangold and Ferguson and Leon Washington and Brad Smith that year and, and a couple other young guys. And you could just t- you could tell in the first five or six weeks that this wasn't a six and 10 team. It was probably like a nine and seven or 10 and six team. And they ended up going 10 and six and, and making the playoffs that year. You know, 2015 is the last time they've been good. That was a very different team than this team. That was sort of this like surprise Fitzpatrick one uh, run. It was the Brandon Marshall trade. It was Revis coming back. It was much more on the back of older players. You know, the rookie class that year didn't do all that much to contribute overall. You know, there's a couple moments here or there from Leonard Williams and like Lorenzo Malden, but it wasn't, they weren't like the main drivers here. What's nice this time compared to 2015 is the young players, Sauce Gardner, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson against the Browns, Elijah Vera Tucker uh, are really among the main drivers on this team with the veterans mixed in with Dwayne Brown and Mosley and a couple other guys, but it's generally on the backs of younger players. So there's a little, in my mind, there's a little 2009 mixed with a little 2006. And why I think of 2006 is again, that team, You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. 
Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You were able to see right away that they were going to be better than most people thought. And I think you're seeing that now through the six games with these Jets. Like a lot of people thought the Jets were a four or five win team. The slightly more optimistic version of that, a lot of us thought they were probably a seven win team and five and a half was too low. I think even that is too low. They look like a nine or 10 win team, particularly in what the NFL and the AFC is right now. Still a lot of work to be done, but they have the look of that kind of team that can win nine or 10 games just because they clearly have more talent than people expected. And as long as these guys don't hit rookie walls, they don't sustain any injuries, the rest of the schedule, it's not that punishing on paper. You take away those two Buffalo games, which of course they're going to be heavy underdogs in, I, I don't know who else really jumps off the page, maybe outside of Minnesota as being a game where the Jets are going to be major underdogs. In. And you're already seeing it this week with Denver, where I think before the year, we would have said that's probably there's seven or eight point underdogs in that game. And now it's three, which is basically saying the Jets and Denver are equal on a neutral field. And Denver is just getting the three points because of the home field advantage, which it makes sense. Denver's still a hard place to play. Denver still has a really good defense. It's disappointing and embarrassing at times that they've been on offense this year. Uh, it's, it's interesting how quickly a season and expectations for a season could change. And there, there's clearly something there with the, the receipts comment. I think what's also interesting about this team, and I'm going to tweet about this in a minute, is that you heard after the Dolphins game, Franklin Myers talk about how the locker room was aware and annoyed by Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill's comments. Then you heard this game, Sauce Gardner talking about how the locker room was aware that Green Bay specifically chose to play them and not have a bye week after London. They were aware of that. Clearly someone, the Jets have something going on with the bulletin board material this year and have a, a different sort of energy around that with the young players in, in the locker room and not being stuck to being the same old Jet mentality. And that's what these seasons kind of end up being made out of when teams get on a run and they start overachieving. They have that sort of keeping receipts, we're remembering everything and all these different little moments that you could point back to and say, huh, that's when we, we were able to tell that this team that everyone thought was going to be six and 11 actually went 10 and six and grabbed the wild card spot a year earlier than everyone thought they would. Yeah, no, I'm on the same page as you with both kind of what teams that, you know, what Jets team it reminds you of. Um, I also think back to like, I don't think of 2002 in the sense of I know there was a lot of veteran holdover from 98, 99, 2000, but or 97, 98, 99, 2000, but 2002, it felt like a lot of the young guys started to really take over the big roles on the team and they were aided by a lot of veterans, obviously. And again, I don't know this, this Jets team is going to, you know, win a playoff game and uh, win the division and, you know, go on and beat, uh, you know, in this case, like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, 41, nothing in a playoff game at home. Do I think that's going to happen? No. But do I think we were talking about a little bit before the Denver game is very winnable. I think the Jets have the better coaching staff. I think the Jets have the better talent. It's going to be like this game, which is unfortunate and fortunate in a good way. Cause I want to talk about one other person, obviously, uh, you know, quickly, but Zach Wilson, if Zach Wilson can play at least to the level of what he did in the second half of the Steelers game or the Miami game, he gives them a chance in pretty much every game, other than probably when you're facing Allen, Mahomes, those level guys. You know, Denver's a mess right now. They're missing their starting left tackle, their best edge rusher, their two best running, their best running back, like one of their best receivers. The Jets should go into that game and win. And then they come home to probably a four and three Patriots team at five and two as the Jets going. 
can we go six and two here and have a chance to play Buffalo for first place, you know, on this in the, in week nine, week eight, week nine. So, um, you know, I thought they would be four and five at the bye. I'm hoping they can at least overachieve that by one, maybe two games, because if they can, they give themselves a real shot to make the playoffs. As you mentioned, there's a really soft part of the schedule where, you, you know, you'd expect Zach's numbers to tick up Elijah Moore, uh, you know, in specific, but Corey Davis, another name I want to shout out. He's been fantastic. Uzama and Conklin probably had their best game from the aspect of it was the little things for them. They had a couple key catches, one Conklin on a kind of RPO over the middle and uh, you know, Uzama was on a, a screen, but blocked well, gave them a lot of opportunity to kind of vary personnel. So I want to hit on Zach real quick before, uh, you know, one or two other things, but from a Zach perspective, um, again, I don't think he was very good at yesterday. I, I don't think I'm wrong in saying that. He made a couple of throws when he needed to. Um, but what are your impressions now? We're three weeks into Zach. He's played the Packers defense, which on paper is obviously far better than uh, they've performed overall. The Dolphins defense was missing their top corners, but it's obviously a good unit in the Steelers defense. Bit of a mess. Basically, Zach's numbers this year, when he's kept clean, he's really good. And when he's pressured, he's awful. How do they continue to get more out of this passing game? And what have your impressions of Zach been through three weeks now? Time of panic and, you know, as a lot of people would say, or is this um, – are you on the other side where it's like you're not reading too much into it yet? I mean, I definitely don't think it's time to panic. He, he's played three games this year after missing the entire preseason and all the practice that goes on around that. He's only started 16 career games. I think he's very clearly been much better in his last – seven to eight starts, let's call it, versus first eight starts. There's been a very clear adjustment in his ability to protect the football and how comfortable he looks. And I, look, do I think he, I think of the three starts, he did not play as well against Green Bay as he did against Miami. I actually thought he was like fine and pretty good against Miami, especially for what they needed in that game. But he was great in the fourth quarter against Pittsburgh after an ugly first three quarters. And the Green Bay game was like, meh, but in retrospect, he probably shouldn't have even thrown 18 times. They probably should have thrown like 13 times. There was no reason to throw the ball at all. It was raining. You were kicking the crap out of Green Bay and running the ball down their throat. There was no reason to just air it out. And he got it together a little bit in the second half and made the throws he needed to. And the last two weeks, it's been a little bit more of a game manager, which is okay. That's what you're going to need to do some weeks. The one time in the three games that they haven't needed him to be a game manager was when they were down 10 in Pittsburgh and he answered with two touchdown drives and Pittsburgh just beat Tampa and held them under 20 points. So all wins count, all wins matter. He still needs to get better. There's going to be weeks. They're going to need more from him. Certainly when they're playing new England, certainly if they're trying to hang around with Buffalo, certainly if they're trying to hang around uh, with Minnesota later in the year, there's going to be weeks they don't need him to do more. And that's okay because he's gotten very good at protecting the football outside of the tightrope throw into the end zone to Corey Davis has done a good job of throwing the ball away and avoiding backbreaking mistakes, uh, which is good for a team that's dominating on defense and dominating running the football. I just, you know, enjoy the three wins in a row, Jet fans. Like it just, it's been three games for, for Wilson this year. It's very early in his career. We've seen some really good moments. He is clearly improving holistically compared to where he was at this time last year. We're going to have to see some more. Eventually, they're going to have to unlock Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson. I don't think there's any really reason to be panicking right now. There'd be a reason to panic if over the last two weeks, he threw four interceptions and was one hopping screen routes again. He's not doing that. He's connecting on those throws. 
went 14 to 21 for 210 yards against Miami. And if Brees Hall falls forward a couple more inches, he's got two touchdown passes and everyone's not freaking out about that. So I don't think it's panic time yet. Yeah. I'm on the same page. Look, I want to see more from Zach. I want to see him a little more consistency. His, him navigating the pocket. The only things, look, my biggest criticisms offensively were there was two plays in specific, like in particular, really three, but the two that you mentioned, one of them, the one tightrope in the sideline, trying to fit a ball into a window that, can he get it there? Sure. Would it be really cool if he did it? Yeah. But like, is it worth it? Absolutely not. Especially on the road. And when you're a team that when you're the underdog, uh, you know, going into it, the other two were first drive, decent first couple plays and Garrett Wilson, he needs to stop doing this runs route, his route far short of the, of the sticks on third down. I'm not sure why that keeps happening. It's I know he's a rookie. It's awareness thing. And I, I think he'll correct it. I'm just saying that needs to stop. And Zach throws him a ball that he has no chance <laughs> to even make a move. And then another play where Zach is rolling out. It's third and I want to say it was third and eight or nine. Correct me if I'm wrong. Zach breaks the pocket, does a really good job, scrambles. And yes, do I want him to get lit up? No. Do I think that there's a better way? He could have you know, waited another second and slid and not slid one yard short of the first down marker and then gotten up and been like, oh, man, like I didn't get that. Like That to me is the stuff where Zach does need to improve and, and Garrett Wilson specifically, that relationship. Garrett Wilson's got to get to the sticks every third down. You know, If it's third and five, you got to run your route at seven yards, not at four yards. And then you really end up at two yards, which is what happened yesterday. Or for Zach, knowing where the sticks are, making sure you give your guys a chance, I think that would be huge. Um, did you not find that a little weird now it's like becoming a trend with Garrett Wilson a little bit and even Zach of just like is it just them being young because I feel like that's obviously an excuse but that's got to correct themselves quickly because eventually it's going to cost them in a game where they run a route too short or you know slide or not have any awareness of the sticks and you know they get themselves kind of cost there is it is that just them being young you think or is that like that's coaching like I don't know what that is but it's got to stop am I wrong (laughs) It's yeah, your field awareness has to be better. I think both of them are young players. So you write off some of it to that. It's been a kind of a reoccurring thing for Garrett Wilson. And as much as we love him, love him and are excited about his future. He's still got to work on consistency, catching the football and knowing how to handle his route depth, especially on third down where the Jets regularly target him so frequently. And with Zach, sort of the same deal. He's got to have better field awareness that a quarterback, regardless of where he's at in his career, should always be know the slide rule and know that they mark it where you start your slide uh, sort of dive forward in that situation to get enough yardage and and him and Wilson just need to get more reps together and get more comfortable together. They have just not had enough of it with him missing the entire preseason and missing so much time uh, where they've been able to get into that rhythm yet. And he has to show an ability to do that with Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson just has to, in the long term, that game will serve him well. From everything we know about him, he's very hard on himself. He's going to learn a lot from going against Jair Alexander, who's awesome and one of the best cornerbacks, if not the best cornerback in the NFL. It's going to be a great teaching tape for him, and you want teaching tapes coming in a uh, win. You won by 17, and it's going to be a great learning game for number 17, who's going to watch the film, learn how to go against a top-flight corner like that, and learn how to focus on his depth of route going forward, and that will make him better in the long run. No, I, I totally am with you on that. Last two quick ones here, um, and then we'll get to what's going on at Profit Exchange. Profit Exchange. Our sauce and Brees Hall going to win Rookie of the Years. And how many Pro Bowlers do the Jets have this year? Like, all said and done, we'll include alternates because, you know, obviously Mac Jones counted last year. But if you had to guess, it's week six. It's only weeks, end of week six. Um, 
obviously a lot of football left to go another 11 weeks, at least hopefully more, um, you know, what is, uh, you know, how many pro bowlers do they have and do sauce and Brees Hall win rookie of the year, man. I mean, both of them winning, it would be, I don't, that would be ridiculous. However, I do think one of the two of them at least will, will get there. I, especially with the jets winning games that, put you in a better national spotlight. You know, they're already starting to see that with where, where and when they played against Green Bay being this sort of the A game. It's going to start happening more frequently. You know, for Brees, if he keeps racking up these 100-yard games, his numbers are going to be too hard to ignore. Corner's hard. Uh, I think Sauce really, I would argue, that he's earned it through the first six weeks, but other cornerbacks who may end up with more interceptions uh, could get a look or – someone gets hot and gets a couple sacks and a couple strip sacks. I, I could see it going another way. I think both of them have a great chance and I'd be shocked if at least one of them uh, could not leave with it. I think from a pro bowl standpoint, I mean, Quinn and AVT are, are the first two that you know, come to mind. Honestly, DJ Reed's playing to a pro bowl level. Uh, he should be in that discussion. Brees and saucer at that level, they should be in that discussion. Uh, you know, those, those are the guys that, that come top of mind to me. Mosley's not far behind either, uh, but particularly, you know, Sauce, Reed, Quinnen, AVT, Brees, those guys are, are there through six weeks, which is rare for the Jets to have that many guys who are truly there. Yeah, no, I'm on the same page as you. Um, obviously, make sure everyone is subscribed to Badlands. Joe, you want to talk about what's going on with Profit Exchange? And uh, before we get out of here, again, episode will be back. Badlands on midweek. Make sure you listen to yesterday's episode. I'll be back Thursday, I believe, with a preview and potentially another uh, special pod uh, over the weekend. Uh, but yeah, we'll get uh, we'll get out of here with what's going on at Profit Exchange. As always, the uh, the reminder as we head into the middle part of the year: when you bet with Profit Exchange, you find your betting edge. Better odds and bigger wins are available on Profit Exchange all football season long. First sports betting exchange in the U.S. is now live in New Jersey. New users can receive a 50% deposit match up to 250. You can sign up now at nj.profitbettingexchange.com or download the Profit Exchange app from the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Better odds and bigger wins are finally here in New Jersey. Must be 21 and present in New Jersey. Terms and conditions apply for deposit match. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Check it out. Get those bets in. You can get Jets money line right now against Denver if you're feeling frisky. Yeah, I think this may be the last week we see the Jets um, as underdogs. I think they probably will be likely. If they win, they will likely be slight favorites against New England, although never uh, never can count them out there. Um, again, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you. Uh, make sure you tune in to Badlands Wednesday, and that's your Pod Thursday, and we'll talk to you guys later in the week.